Sleigh bells ring Are you listening? In the lane Snow is glistening A beautiful sight We're happy tonight Walking in a winter wonderland Hi, this is Beth Moon. Welcome to the Holiday Moons podcast where we share our love for the holidays with you year-round. This is Randy and I will be talking about recycling Christmas trees today. This is Cole, and I will be talking about the Festival of Sade in Iran. This is Sydney, and I will be talking about winter decorating. This is episode one of season three for us. Woohoo! We made it. Yay! So we are excited to share season three upcoming with everybody. Woohoo! That should be very fun. And uh, we also had an opportunity to uh, visit a hospital this past week. That's right. Uh, and we were walking around from where we were to the cafeteria. Uh, Sydney and I had a chance to do that. And we noticed that they had a lot of the windows decorated. They had a big Christmas tree in the foyer area. They had like wreaths on different doors that we passed by. Um, so it was very decked out. Yeah, every room was decked out. Uh, different rooms that the different nurses and doctors were working in were all decked out. And mm-hmm. Christmas music was playing That's right. over the yeah. loudspeaker <laughs> the whole time. So so hopefully, if you're in a hospital uh, over this period, uh, that you have a fun, festive environment in your place as well, in your hospital as well. The other thing we saw, we were at a retina specialist. And in his <laughs> office, he had a Christmas tree near the front door. And on the top, I noticed that he had a large eyeball instead of a star or an angel. <laughs> and it looked like an eye. So it looked like the, it was eye, hilarious. the eye of Sauron watching over <laughs> the, uh, the people of that. It was um, a little more festive off. than that. Yeah, it was a festive eye on top of the tree. <laughs> so that was funny. And I also wanted to mention that next week we will be off for our holiday. We're recording this right before Christmas. So we will be taking uh, the week off for family festivities, um, both near and afar. So we wish everybody a very merry and safe Christmas. And then we will return in um, the week after that, basically, with our second episode of Season 3. We will be enjoying a trip up to Pennsylvania to see our family on both sides. Um, So that will be very fun to get up to somewhere even colder than... That's right. Virginia. And celebrate with family. Yeah. Hopefully we'll see snow. It's actually supposed to be a warm week next week, which is Christmas week for us. Uh, so maybe we'll see some snow in Pennsylvania when we go up there. We often do. We often do. That's right. At some point, because we go through the mountains as we go between families. So we usually see it then. Yes, it should be fun to see everybody's trees in their homes and decorations. As we uh, move from the holiday season to winter in January... Uh, one of the things that we have to think about is how to take down and put away all of our decorations and specifically our Christmas tree. So as I mentioned before, every season we put up a real Christmas tree in our living room to celebrate Christmas. A real big Christmas tree. That's right. And we're in good company. Each year, more than 25 million American households have a real Christmas tree, or at least one real Christmas tree, in their homes. Ours is... um, well, I would say always. It's been a Fraser fur for many years, but every family has different tastes. And as Beth mentioned, there's a wide selection of different types of trees to choose from. 
but I love to walk into the door after a day at work or doing chores or whatever and smelling the real tree in our family room. And getting a real Christmas tree is actually one of the best things people can do for the environment during the holiday season. You might be surprised. Real Christmas trees are a renewable resource and good for both people and nature. 400 million trees are grown on tree farms across the country, providing clean air and water, habitat for wildlife, hopefully which is out of your tree by the time you get it, and erosion control. Most of the 15,000 Christmas tree farms across the United States are family owned. So when you buy a real Christmas tree, you are supporting local economies and contributing to a $1.3 billion per year industry that provides more than 100,000 jobs. So that is why there are so many Hallmark movies about Christmas tree farms. (laughs) (laughs) They've got 15,000 to go through. Compare that with artificial trees, which are manufactured overseas with fossil fuels, shipped great distances, and when discarded, sit in landfills for centuries. Live Christmas trees have a lot more uh, renewable capability than those. Millions of Christmas trees are discarded after Christmas each year, but there are many ways to avoid sending them to a landfill. But as it is for me, throwing out a Christmas tree can be kind of depressing. There's nothing sadder than a prone, browning Christmas tree with a few strands of tinsel and decorations on it waiting for the garbage truck to pick it up. Yeah. I think that... um, That's dismal. It is. I think that taking the decorations down is almost sadder than taking the tree out of the house. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, it's it a just sad it feels it feels wrong. You're doing the opposite of what you. Yes, it's sad when the Christmas tree stops taking water, because that's you know you're coming to the end of its life. You know that it, yep. it won't be too long before it it's losing needles like crazy, and you need to do something about it. But there are a lot of ways to take care of your trees um, after you are done with them for the holiday season. So I'm going to list several potential ways to uh, deal with your dead Christmas tree. <laughs> For lack of a better, for, a better, for lack of a better. more sensitive way to say that. So first, the first way is uh, you can use it as firewood. As mentioned before, on uses, in general, old trees can make great firewood. Cut up your old tree, remove all the tinsel and any decorations, and use it as kindling in an outdoor fire pit. Make sure the tree is completely dry before burning it. So this is something that we do each year after we take the tree out of the house. We let it sit in the woods or on the fire pit for an extended period of time. Yeah. And then in the past, uh, when we used to have spring events, when we um, worked with the youth of the area, we would light the Christmas tree as part of a bonfire. Yeah. And when we say light the Christmas tree, for the most part, we didn't cut it up. We just laid full tree across the... Which was actually a, a great way to have more fun with it. And it because actually, that creates a huge fire. And it showed kids how quickly a Christmas tree can go up in flames. That's true. And it was it, fast. It's educational, yeah. <laughs> but we did it in a fire safety way. We had a hose nearby. That's right. Yes. We had a hose And it was nearby. in a fire pit, a large fire pit. Yes. With Not hats. a small one. We <laughs> did a huge tree across a small fire pit. Yeah. Yes. And it was laid down across it, as fun as it would have been to set it up in the middle of the fire pit. (laughs) That's right. The second way that you may have heard of is by using your dead Christmas tree as a fish habitat. Fish biologists have learned that Christmas trees submerged in a pond or lake 
are great for providing fish habitat. So imagine your tree with its small limbs and stems providing places for juvenile fish. It sounds like you're like, allowed like to link with little gangs. <laughs> little gangs of fish. To hide from predators. These reused trees provide places where algae and insects can thrive, giving fish sources of food. There are dozens of state and federal programs around the country that collect used Christmas trees, anchoring them to the bottom of selected ponds to improve fisheries. Now, when you say anchoring, do you mean sort of uh, in like a modern sense or more like they wrap a chain around it with a big anchor attached. Because well, that's what I'm imagining. <laughs> I and think it's, it's probably some of both, depending on the area. Right. I think <laughs> that that's the most fun way, in my mind. Now, we do have a fish hatchery nearby, so can we just, like, dump our Christmas tree into one of their Well, <laughs> no. I was thinking it's probably best, as we're saying this, to... Ask for well, permission. <laughs> well, yeah, to just not go start dumping your Christmas tree exactly in whatever right. pond you see around. Right. In fact, that's exactly what I was going to say is that you are to check with your state's fish and wildlife agency to see if they have a local program or a drop-off site. That's good. Yeah. Well, you go do really, it. if you live uh, near a coastal area, you could just take it out into the ocean, tie an anchor to it, and well, throw you're it. You're still with that anchor issue. <laughs> it just sounds like fun to me. <laughs> the third use for Christmas trees is to make mulch. So shedding needles can be used as mulch in your garden. And the branches can be added to your compost pile. Or you can just cut off some small branches and spread them around your yard. And as the needles fall off, they help the soil retain moisture. Hmm. You can also make wood chips. And I've seen this in neighborhoods where they'll run um, a large wood chipper truck through the neighborhood. And basically, the people can put their trees into the chipper and collect the mulch for um, local landscaping. The fifth way is that there is city recycling. Cities often have Christmas recycling programs where they help remove the trees from their area, and they do it in different ways that we've already mentioned, whether it's making wood chips or mulching or fish habitats. Basically, the recycling program for the city helps get the trees out of the area into a place that can be a better used. So the best thing to do is to contact your local city hall or local government. A sixth way that a, an expired tree can be used is uh, through pathways. So you could cut the trunk of the tree into slices, if you've got the right equipment, and use those slices as stepping stones in your garden or around your yard. And they could also be used along the edges of existing paths as markers and could be painted white to lead the way home at night. I thought, as you were saying that, it does remind me of something that you would see on like a hiking trail. Like a lot of times on rougher inclines, they'll have like cut logs right. as steps. So that wouldn't be, again, working with, you know, local government or something like that. That might not be a bad uh, way to contribute to your local community. The seventh way that somebody could use their tree is that they could use it as a bird feeder. Uh, you could cut the tree down a few feet high and drill out a hole to create a hole for bird seed and other bird food. You can sit it back and let the bird watching begin. So winter birds would appreciate using the tree for cover in your backyard, especially if you decorate it with bird food ornaments. Oh, that's a good idea. Make sure you remove tinsel or plastic or any non-recyclable ornament. And then you could use suet or molded seeds or disposable bird seed hangers to hang in the tree to encourage the birds to stop by and kind of make a place for themselves. And it gets it a little bit further away from the house, uh, which the birds would appreciate. You can actually purchase That's right. bird seed ornaments. And I've seen them 
both in mm -hmm. catalogs and in stores. Right. And you can make homemade treats with pine yep. cones. I know that you and the kids made treats where you took pine cones, put peanut butter on them. Oh, peanut butter and Crisco. Peanut butter and Crisco, because, so it wasn't too sticky. Right, because the peanut butter alone, although it helps the bird seeds stick to it, it's a little too sticky for the little bird beaks. Right, and then you roll that in bird seed. Yep. And the birds love and that's that. That's a great thing to do with kids, yeah. Right. If you do the, um, we're going to use this tree as a bird feeder, you need to anchor the tree so it doesn't go rolling down the neighborhood on a winter, windy day. Good point. So again, you would need an anchor and probably, <laughs> and probably a large chain for that. Uh, or you could just attach it to another just tree. Just thinking ahead. <laughs> well, it says anchor, so we all know what anchors are, I hope. The eighth way, and this is something that I remember from our time living in Galveston, was using trees for dune restoration. So Christmas trees are sometimes used after hurricanes or significant storms to rebuild sand dunes and banks by allowing sand that builds up to cover the trees, which helps hold the sand down. A lot of local communities that are near beaches um, or even some large lakes will do this as well, have a way to donate your trees to use that for dune or bank restoration. It takes years, but eventually the trees in, with fencing can get buried in the sand and provide a good foundation for healthy dunes. For example, before 1992, sand dunes in South Seaside Park, New Jersey had been flattened to provide better access to the beach. But a nor'easter in 1992 served as a wake-up call to rebuild those dunes. So the community with volunteers started to rebuild the dunes using old Christmas trees along with fencing to hold the sand and allow it to build behind the structures. These sand dunes acted as a natural defense, helping to protect the South Seaside Park and nearby Midway Beach communities when Hurricane Sandy battered the Jersey Shore years later. Similar projects are being undertaken along the East Coast and the Gulf of Mexico providing resilient coasts and safer protection from the impact of storms. So I remember Galveston, when we lived in Houston in the 90s, had started those programs as well uh, to take Christmas trees and reuse them in that way. So hopefully 20 years later now, those are now in place and have a firm foundation for those beaches. A couple other quick ways that you can reuse your trees, you can replant it. So if you thought ahead and you bought a potted Christmas tree instead of a cut tree, then you could actually replant it. You know, Hopefully you've watered it enough during December and you can plant it and let it grow in your yard. You actually could rent a tree. So instead of having a dead Christmas tree to worry about, some areas let you rent a living Christmas tree, which is potted as well, and then you can return it at the end of the season. Hopefully you've watered it again, so it's not a brown Christmas tree when you return it. Uh, you can actually put it out and have it be some artwork. So if you are skilled in art, or even if you aren't, you could carve a large section of the trunk into a sculpture or cut a cross section of the tree and, and paint it to create art for your garden. Okay, I think I feel like these should be in the backyard, <laughs> not, not in the, the front, front yard. Front I think yard. these should be for your own like, personal exhortation, not for well, necessarily display. If you're good at sculpture, it might be you know, might how be pretty good. How many people do you know that could do that? I don't know, but I'm surprised how many people can do ice sculptures. So there must be people out Just there. Just hallmark people. Another way is you can use the boughs or the branches as insulation for your perennial beds. So if you cut those off, you can actually lay them over your 
perennial beds and that will insulate them from the snow and the frost. Depending on the size of your tree, you could cut the trunk into thin slices and create coasters out of the trunk. That would be a little... We could okay, make plates a... out of ours. <laughs> I know. <laughs> they would be big ones, but you'd have to do the, the part that was the right size for a coaster. And you'd have to paint a thin layer of polyurethane over them so that sap didn't come run out over yeah, everything. Yeah, that's right. You can also ask your Christmas tree seller if they take Christmas trees back, not for a money-back return... <laughs> But act, but actually, as a, a way for them to help their own trees, they let them decompose and they reuse the trees, the older trees, to help continue to grow the farms. Right. So that was kind of an interesting thought. Uh, well, I would imagine that they use the old ones. Uh, they probably hang them up so that the new ones don't try to escape. <laughs> it's kind I, of, I think kind that's of what it is. a deterrent, you know, <laughs> like psychological no. kind of. No, no, I don't think that's it. But. Either way, these give you some idea, and you can always contact your local government, local community programs to see if there's something near you that would let you recycle your Christmas tree so you aren't throwing it into a garbage can or putting it into a landfill. So these are just a few ideas along those lines. It's always a fun event for us to be able to have that giant bonfire in the back Yep, uh, and celebrate fire. Yeah, it's usually As like the general. end of winter, early spring, moment of passage, right? Your right. Christmas yeah. tree's done, winter's behind us, and we're moving on to spring. Yeah. Well, and it's kind of nice to know that your Christmas tree is, like, something more is happening to it than just ending up in a landfill. Right. So it's kind of a nice thing to do. So one celebration of moving from winter to spring in Iran is the Festival of Sade, which dates back to the old Persian Achaemenid Empire, meaning that it is one of the oldest festivals that is still being celebrated today. So Sade celebrates the 50 days before Nowruz, and uh, in Persian means 100. So it celebrates the 100 days and 100 nights that remain before the beginning of spring. Like a lot of things particularly dating this far back. We know that it means 100, but it's not super clear necessarily what it's referring to by 100. Some people say that it's 50 days and nights, and that's what means there. But most people agree that it is. it does mean the 100 days and nights before the beginning of spring. So it is a festival to celebrate fire and the defeat of the dark and the cold and winter. So the celebration actually dates back to King Hushang, who was the second king of the mythical Pishdadian dynasty. Pishdad means law in uh, Persian. So he went up into the mountains with a number of his companions, and they came across a massive snake in the mountains. Fearing for his life, he threw a stone at the snake, and it missed the snake. But it did strike another stone and light a spark, which created a huge fire and caused the snake to slither away in fear. So they spent the rest of the night celebrating their victory over the snake. I thought you were going to say they spent the rest of the night trying to put the fire off. (laughs) No. No, they they liked the fire. Hmm. So that was the beginning of this festival. And it's a pre-Islamic festival. It's actually a Zoroastrian festival. Festival and Zoroastrianism, for those of you who don't know, is credited by a lot of people to be the first monotheistic religion. It is monotheistic, meaning of one god, uh, and it began in early Iran. 
So King Hushang had celebrated God for showing him this secret way of creating fire, said that it was a light from God, so we should celebrate it. So according to the religious beliefs, Sade or Jashin Isade uh, recalls the importance of light, fire, magnificence, and energy, which all comes from God, which is found in the heart of all creatures that he created. So the story of King Hushang and the beginning of Sade is a mythical story, um, which is sort of celebrated in the tradition of Persian kings and was actually outlined in a long epic of Persian history, which I didn't realize. Uh, this story was included in there called the Shahnameh, which was one of two books which was extremely important in my history education, um, which recounts the story of a number of Persian kings and mythical fables. I don't recall this story, but I have read the Shahnameh, and it is a very dense book, but it is really cool to see that pop up again. So during the early years of the Persian Empire, when Sade would have been celebrated, young men and boys would have gone out into the mountains and gathered up camel thorns, which were a common desert shrub, and they would have brought them back to temples and places near water and gathered them all up along with firewood and lit huge fires. Uh, and these fires were meant to assist with the revival of sun and bringing warmth and the light of summer into Persia, also driving off the demons of frost and cold and night. More demons. More demons. Lots of demons and bad spirits. Every area has figured out a way to get rid of those demons. They did. And they're always very different ways. Yes, they are. Fire seems like that would have been a given as a way to ward off demons. Noise is a little surprising because you think noise would be, you know. Yeah. Well, and uh, nutcrackers, too. And nutcrackers, yeah. And gourds. And gourds. Occasionally gourds. Yep. So the fire was kept burning all night. Uh, and a lot of times the celebration would go through the night, the singing and uh, keeping the fire alive. So the day after, the women would come and take some of that fire back to their homes as a blessed fire of the temple that they could have in their own home to bless it and also drive the demons from their own individual homes. So it's kind of bringing it into the hearth and home of the family. Right. You would spread the blessing of Sade all across the the town, the city, and across every home. Naturally, they were very large fires. Not in the home, the original one. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not in the home. So whatever was left from the fire would, would be taken to the shrine or temple and placed in a container until the next year. That way, the fire would symbolically be kept burning all year round. Reminds me of the, the Olympic torch flame that's supposed to never go out. Yes. I cannot say, you know, one way or another as to if it was actually kept burning. Right. Uh, or if it was more symbolic. Right. But you hate to be the person who accidentally put it on. Who accidentally put it on, yeah. <laughs> and Oopsie. quickly turned it back on. Yeah. <laughs> quickly, quickly lit it again. Yes. <laughs> then the priest walks in. This one doesn't look as holy as the last one. <laughs> no, no, it's just as holy. No, it's just as holy. It's the same one. <laughs> So a lot of the original Persian traditions and Zoroastrian traditions were actually maintained after the rise of Islam in Persia. 
So during the Ziyarid dynasty, there was a big drive to maintain pre-Islamic Persian traditions. Large bonfires were set up, but there were also a number of new festivities. There would be fireworks lighting up the sky, and hundreds of birds were released during the fireworks. Yikes. <laughs> yep. Um, so wow. hopefully the birds... <laughs> No, so I guess if you're a, a bird, you would learn how to, like, really dodge all of the... Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Either that or you'd have some very... Scared? Very yep. scared birds? You would have... Flaming uh... birds. <laughs> Flaming birds. <laughs> Flaming birds. <laughs> Dinner for Not later? Not good. <laughs> That's terrible, but possibly. I imagine they were probably too small to... Yeah. You get maybe a nugget out of each of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there were fireworks, dancing, music, and lavish feasts. Roasted lamb, beef, chicken, and other ethnic Persian delicacies. Because at this time, Persia would have had a lot more resources than it would have during the original Zoroastrian traditions. Today, the ceremony is celebrated a lot like it was in ancient times in the Iranian cities. It is celebrated every year. There are definitely groups that come and light the fires in a kind of a central location, but there are, uh, in a lot of cases... They'll light the fires inside a Zoroastrian temple rather than outside at all. Things like going up into the mountains and gathering camel thorn are still a tradition. Coming around the fire, the singing, the dancing, uh, in, in some cases, the feasting and the fireworks. I don't know if they still release birds. Oh, okay. And no snakes are involved anymore? No snakes, as far as I know. Well, I mean, the fire keeps them all away. Oh, that's true. So, unless there's sort of a big group of them that you have to light the fire in the middle. The fire keeps the demon snakes away. The demon snakes, right. Right, and it's funny, in the stories and in the Shanama, it always says a big snake, but it's kind of a mythological tale. So I'm never quite sure how big the snake is supposed to be. Because that could be just like, oh, it, it was a big snake, you know, like, oh, I don't know, sure. five feet or so. Yeah, right. Or it could be like... But in, mytho it's, huge in mythology, it could be like a giant serpent. Yeah. In which case... I'm not sure why he would have thrown a rock at it, unless... <laughs> and missed it. <laughs> unless, according to the story, it was also a very large rock. <laughs> which also right. could have been possible. It's true. Like many Zoroastrian holy days, Sade is often celebrated twice because there's sort of a split in the calendar between the Zoroastrian calendar and a reformed calendar which came around in the 3rd century CE. But it is an example of a very old festival that is still celebrated pretty accurately to how it would have been in the time uh, when it would have been originally created. Right. Like we hear a lot about Roman festivals and how a lot of our current holidays come from them. But they are very different right. than how they would have celebrated them in Rome. And a lot of that was an effort uh, often by the church or the monarchy to incorporate them into or mix them together into new ways. So... It is very interesting to see how those have evolved over time, how our, from Roman festivals, how our holidays came to be, but also to see some other festivals which are still very close to the original spirit. Of the festival. Of the festival. Yeah. Very fun. Well, happy, is it Sadea? It's uh, Sade. Happy Sade. Upcoming Sade. Sade. <laughs> yep, and that is on the... 30th of January. Well, going back to the cold and winter, and not demon. including demons. Oh, not including demons. No, this is or a nice serpents. winter or serpent or anything like that. As the Christmas season ends, I get very sad. Um, not only to see the Christmas tree go down and the taking the ornaments off the Christmas tree, but as literally all the Christmas decorations go down. I bet 
if you ran into a giant snake, that would distract you from your sadness. <laughs> Maybe, but it's still sad. Right. <laughs> that was sad and scary. That's frightened and sad. Yeah. So, one of the things that we do as a family is we put up winter decorations during the winter season because just because Christmas ends does not mean winter ends. In fact, winter begins December 21st. So it's just the beginning. So here are some tips about winter decorating. Um, if you would like to make your house more festive, maybe not for the Christmas season, but during the winter season um, following Christmas. So here are some tips. So the colors to look for are blue, silver, and white. I love those. Yes, icons can include snowmen. We put up a lot of snowmen during the winter season. Not so much the Christmas season because we have so many um, Christmas-specific things to put out. Snowflakes, deer, birds, squirrels, and other outdoor critters. Penguins and polar bears. <laughs> um, some themes that you can think about um, are winter wonderland, snowy, a snowy forest, going back to the forest critters, like a snowman gets together. So sometimes we end up clumping a lot of snowmen together. <laughs> like a little family or a little group of them. Exactly. And um, you can also go for a rustic theme. There's a lot of um, go, that theme being out there right now yeah, in like even white like white trees birch yes. trees yeah mm-hmm. exactly one idea is to use white lights yep another is to use white or silver for me it will be sparkly candles that you can turn on and off at a push of a button that you can um spread around your house so i have some from michael's and they look like i guess logs or mm-hmm. yeah little birch little bits of birch tree mm-hmm. that, like, that are candles that are candles and yeah. that have a slight sparkle they do they're and so they pretty flicker. they look yeah. really good yeah yeah and they flicker like real right like they're really lit yeah like they're really lit yeah so that's really nice you could also still use greenery again just use white lights keep it plain or use the colors that we have mentioned before to decorate the greenery you could use clear vases or white lanterns and put some white lights in them and fill them with white silver or blue colored for me sparkly balls right. you can also put greenery in yeah um, you can use vases to put frosted or white greenery in such as frosted branches um, you can get those at michael's or hobby lobby i know um, i was actually when i was writing this up uh, i was actually looking at some wintry branches that mom put up in the family room mm-hmm. that were really pretty in um, a vase um, or frosted pine cones on branches and then arrange them in the vase with white lights and there are many 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 more ideas out there i always love pinterest because it seems to have endless ideas yeah um, on there and i was thinking as you were talking you could actually do different themes like we i never like one or even two of anything i like at least three of stuff mm-hmm but you could make one room, like you said, a more forest natural kind of room. Another one, your blue and silver and white sparklies. And another one, your snow scenes. Right. I mean, you don't have to go that route, but you could make themes for rooms. Yeah, so you don't have to be stuck with just one or think that you could be, have to be stuck with just one. Right, throughout the entire house. Right, yeah. exactly. So we used to, as a family, put snowmen along with our Christmas stuff all out in the house. As we accumulated more Christmas items, uh, we started to hold back some of the snowmen, yes. but we still had some out. Now we're to the point where we basically don't put out any snowmen. Right. So it's not from lack of wanting to, it's lack of space, space for the snowmen. Right. Yeah. And it yes. separates the decorations seasonally. Right. Yeah, and I know it's something that's it's a lot of 
fun to do because, like Sydney said, it can be a little depressing taking down your mm-hmm. Christmas decorations. But because of this, we're not just taking down the Christmas decorations. We're putting up other decorations, which are really fun and we really enjoy. It's a little give and take there. Yeah, right. and you get to go into the white, silver, blue kind of themes versus the red, greens, and the other ones. Yeah, yeah, and it seems like the stores have more selection in that winter category than they used to. So now, I mean, even when you buy it for Christmas, you can really buy for Christmas and winter um, as well. You almost need to. Yeah. Like after Christmas, it a lot of that spring. goes away. It yeah. Does. So if you want your, if you want to purchase things for your winter decorating, it needs to be before Christmas, probably. Yeah, and I could be wrong, but we will keep up some of our more wintry trees for after Christmas, don't we? Like this one back here. Uh, yeah, we'll keep we keep them up longer, longer in right. the January. Right. Not time not frame. the full that's right. all of winter, but right. and this one back here, I'm referring to the one that is silver, blue, white. It has snowflakes right. on it. Has it has snowflakes right. on it. Exactly. Nothing really super Christmassy. Right, white. Um, but Lights. definitely a winter tree. Yeah, it is. It's a very winter tree. It, it actually has some little silver trees on it, too. That's right. And we also leave the white lights outside in the front. And that's the advantage of using white lights as you're decorating um, your house in the front yard because you can leave those up as winter lights. Right. Longer right. than you would potentially the multicolored lights that are obviously Christmas lights. Right. Right. You could leave them up all year, really, if you, <laughs> if you wanted to. If you wanted to. Some if people your wife do. let you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so if you were... A uh, lucky man. A lucky person. <laughs> and we're allowed to do that. That's right. Cindy was saying about the white lights, too, being inside. Mm-hmm. And it is. It's nice to have some white lights that are still here yeah. versus having all the light... The fun lights just disappear. Having everything be stripped. Yeah, I always think about the front driveway and how very, very dark it looks outside when I stop turning those lights on and take them down. Yeah, you do get used to the kind of like the runway. Yeah, lights on the driveway. It's like I know exactly where I'm going. Yes, that's right. Yeah, very fun. So that's a very fun uh, first episode for season three. Future festivities for the week of January 6th. January 6th is the Feast of the Epiphany, the Feast of the Three Kings. Very fun. January 7th is National Bobblehead Day. January 8th is National Argyle Day. January 9th is National Static Electricity Day, which our cats hate static electricity because it always shocks them. Yeah. (laughs) It's shocking. January 10th is Peculiar People Day. January 11th, National Vision Board Day. January 12th, Feast of the Fabulous Wild Men Day. You can follow us on social media. On Twitter, we are at holiday underscore moons. On Instagram, we are at holiday moons, all one word. And you can search for us. We have a Facebook page and Facebook group by searching holiday moons on Facebook. You can contact us at any time at holidaymoons at gmail.com. So for Beth, Randy, Cole, and Sydney, Happy Happy winter. Winter! Sleigh bells ring Are you listening In the lane Snow is glistening A beautiful sight We're happy tonight Walking in a winter wonderland Gone away Is the bluebird Here to stay Is the new bird 
He sings a love song as we go along, walking in a winter wonderland. In the meadow we can build a snowman and pretend that he is Parson Brown. He'll say, "Are you married?" We'll say, "No, ma'am." But you can do the job when you're in town. Later on, we'll conspire as we dream by the fire to face unafraid the plans that we've made, walking in a winter wonderland. Sleigh bells ring. Are you listening? In the lane, snow is glistening. A beautiful sight. We're happy tonight, walking in a winter wonderland. Gone away is the bluebird. Here to stay is a new bird. He sings a love song as we go along, walking in a winter wonderland. In the meadow we can build a snowman and pretend that he's a circus clown. We'll have lots of fun with Mr. Snowman. Yes, until the other kiddies knock him down. Later on, we'll conspire as we dream by the fire to face unafraid the plans that we've made. Walking in a winter wonderland. Walking in a winter. 